everybody. This is Kim Barker of Brightwire welcoming you to another episode of Music in the Minor League, where we talk to bands still grinding it out in the minor leagues of music. This week, we're joined by our good friends, John and Rebecca Stoll from Grifters and Shills. We've known them for many years. We've toured with them extensively and have even been in their band for a couple of shows. But you'll hear more about that in a bit. Before we start, we have a few housekeeping items and updates on the band to get out of the way. First off, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it. That's the best way you can help us grow our audience. Second, if you like the bands we're talking to or talking about, go follow them on your streaming network of choice and tell others about the music. That really helps with finding new venues to play and reaching new audiences. Third, if you'd be interested in appearing on the podcast, hit us up and let us know. We'd love to talk to you at some point. Finally, we have some shows coming up in the new year with grifters and shills we want to let you know about. The first of which is January 21st at the Old Quarter Acoustic Cafe in Galveston, Texas. Second is February 17th at Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge in Houston, Texas, and also features June Bird on the bill. We'd love to see you at either or both of those shows. Now we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite songs from Grifters and Shills, Never Again, Again. And then we'll get to our discussion. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today with Grifters and Shills, John and Rebecca Stoll, live from the Sterling Municipal Library in Baytown, Texas. We've met them a few times over the years, and we really wanted to get our first real guest 
someone we kind of knew a little bit about. So we decided to ask the stalls to come hang out. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to be here. (laughs) All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with, because the one person I know the least amount about when it leads into music is Rebecca. (laughs) I do talk all just like blah, 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 blah. She's better to talk to. Can't confirm. We'll come in. We, you know, (laughs) we just know Rebecca's always been like the kind of mystery person out of the Stoll household. The elusive. It's like, I really don't know. I was thinking about that today. I do not know a lot about Rebecca. Well, there's not terribly much to know. I mean, that's why I let John do all the talking. That's not true. <laughs> so the good question is, what led you here? Like, what age were you like, I want to play music? I oh, man. This. I mean, I've always wanted to sing. Like, that was, even as a kid, like, I had visions of, you know, I want to be the singer. That went all the way through high school, college. I did choir stuff, but that's not the same. But I wanted to be you know front and center stage just being a vocalist and i actually had an internship in college that was for just a community newsletter and the guy who i was taking over the editor job from was a neighbor um i hadn't met him but we met to kind of discuss the job and he played in a band and so we kind of got to talking about that i was taking guitar lessons at the time and so we decided we would just jam a little bit his wife played bass and my boyfriend at the time was a drummer so we all just kind of got together and it was just a jam session maybe a couple times a month and eventually that grew and changed enough that we had an opening for a guitarist because I certainly wasn't pulling it off and uh, (laughs) after interviewing several candidates this man to my right walked in the door and the rest is kind of history we hit it off immediately with chemistry and just communication and nice. wait was the drummer boyfriend already out of the band yeah okay yeah. cool I was, I was hoping like I, some yeah, like, sorted, I like, like dueling <clears throat> yeah <laughs> no like, we well, he was out right like, we right. imploded and then he imploded and right, John's then John's like y'all were imploded. dating <laughs> no idea no we had a much better drummer by then <laughs> I'm saying it a better story John walked in I was like and we need a new drummer <laughs> <laughs> this is the one is that maybe why John plays drums now? It's because Ooh. he's like, hey, Lenny, I know what Rebecca likes. Trying to catch some of that oh, magic, yeah. you know? Right. No, I, I allow him to play drums in spite of all of that. I know, <laughs> I know what Mama likes. Can't got to do it, too. You've been married a while, and you got to spice it back oh, up, you know? That's true. That's I'll play drums, I can too, do girl. without. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so you never did any singing, like, alone in high school? You always just sang with other people? I mean, a couple of little, what, solo things with choir or little ensemble things. But so the band that you were in was your first real yeah, experience that, of singing. Yep. And you were playing at the same time. Barely. Okay. <laughs> Mostly singing. As soon as we could find anyone else to take over the guitar, uh, I was happy to relinquish that because, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Not my thing. So I guess that will bring us to, to John. From seeing your playing, I, I'm guessing you started playing guitar at a young age. Yeah. Um, 17, I think, is when I started. Um, prior to that, it was piano. Like, I loved, I hated piano when I was forced to do lessons as a kid. And then parents were like, you don't have to take piano lessons anymore. I was like, great. Stop taking piano lessons. And then I loved it because I would just do my own thing. But the piano was too heavy to carry around, mm-hmm. I found out. Facts. And so I was like, man, guitars are pretty light. And I got one and determined it was an unplayable instrument because it didn't work. Like, it's too hard. But then life, like things going on in life motivated me to like do nothing but play guitar, like stay up all night and just play and play and play and play. So you didn't have much of a social life in high school and early years of college either. Right? I had three friends and they were all in the band I was in. So. Man, that is like a recurring theme for us guys. <laughs> like that's your whole nucleus of friends. Yep. For that. And then the band, band breaks up. And you're like, I can't talk to them anymore. Yeah. I don't know. It's anybody. like we never had anything in common. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But along, of course, along with that was bass. I mean, the first instrument I played in a band was bass guitar. And it still to this day is probably like my favorite stringed instrument to play. Four or five string bass. I love guitar, don't get me wrong. But like bass is like, love bass. 
So I brought this up at your house this past week, and you know, and I'll I'll say it too. And I don't mean this is it, some people think this is derogatory, but y'all do have a very kind of Spinal Tap esque journey in music to where it was like Westbound, which was like very I don't know. I, I remember br- briefly because we decided over the years that we had played together that, mm-hmm. the show, but I just remember a couple playing with us there. And but y'all were more, I guess, acoustic stuff. But I remember seeing like the album release where Rebecca was sporting leather pants and stuff. So that was so you know how. If y'all got really metal there, more rock. Was it just edgy folk or what was it? Yeah, I would say. I mean, we started out, it was it was a very fiery beginning because we, we didn't really have a plan. And so no, no plan we were all. beginning this relationship and there was a lot of life drama going on. And so mm-hmm. all of that was influencing what we were writing, what we were playing, what we were wanting to express. And so the thought when we started playing together was, oh, we'll do like jazz in cafes and and that kind of thing uh, acoustic duo style and but we had all this angst and all this all this fire and so it became this just real aggressive acoustic stuff that was <laughs> outside of a genre i didn't i don't think we ever figured out how to pin down that original stuff that that very early stuff it was a thing like let's see how many strings we break this show like on an hour show it's Mm -hmm. like usually the g string would always go and then sometimes the d string damn g string every time always the g string g strings are tough man they realize especially you put them on backwards (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) if they're not snapping they're riding up (laughs) (laughs) and then that brings us to another chapter which you can say i remember you told me chad oh yeah i think we were on a a bill with you guys probably the first time i'd ever heard of you was probably like ronnie it was probably for a benefit I for somebody. It was Ronnie's, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. it was funny because I hadn't, I didn't get there when you guys played because I had something going on, probably being an adult. And so I get there and I was like, "Oh man, what is what was this band?" And it was, I was like, "Because Grifters and Chills is kind of a cool name." And and, and Chad was like, "I think they're like a gospel group because he'd seen y'all and it was like real <laughs> preachy." And I'm like, "What? What did I miss?" And so then fast forward down the road, we played a show with you. and I'm like expecting like, "All right, here we go, go tell it on the mountain, hallelujah." <laughs> right. And then it wasn't, and it was like, Chad's really off. Like, <laughs> what in the world? So, so yeah, it, it was great when I finally got to hear you guys. I was like, okay, now this makes total sense. Right. I, I don't think-, think it's Chad's fault, though. I mean, because to your point about like starting in one place and ending up in another, like our, we, we just weren't paying attention to what we were or were going to be or were supposed to be. We just didn't care about any of that stuff. And we, our compass, like if you can imagine a compass needle just spinning around, like that was our musical direction. Yeah, trying to find where we fit. Yeah. Okay, so the gospel thing's not crazy, right? Like y'all, it, no, but it, it's but in the it's in the roots. It's still in there. Yeah, I would say okay. stuff now. Yeah, yeah and, now and I would say we didn't. Albums ago. We didn't start out saying like, oh, we want to play gospel music, you know, and right. spread the message. But you weren't trying to be Warrant or Striper. What, right? what we were Definitely kind of exploring, <laughs> we were we were looking at a lot of the the dark influences of religion, especially okay. you know in the Southern culture. And and so, you know, I'm like embracing that in, in lyrics and, and we're having fun kind of composing with some of that and embellishing some of these old traditionals. But I don't think the darkness came through in a lot of that no, chapter. Because yeah, you're like super so nice sweet. people. Right, yeah. I know. I've got to work on that. You know? <laughs> and I, I remember when you guys got blacklisted from uh, T-Bone and Tom's, I was like, I can be friends with these people. That was great. We're cool. That was great. Like I was like, because I remember someone telling me that I was like, wait, the gospel group got kicked? <laughs> All right, let me check this out. <laughs> well, that was my thing. So when we met y'all, it was uh, what we decided five, six years ago. 
Yeah, I think six. I think so, six. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we had, played the Friendswood the art in the park art, art thing. And I was all yeah. fired up because like the schedules got messed up. We were supposed to be on different days. Yeah, and then somehow we got oh, put. Yeah. And then unfortunately, we had to like follow y'all. It was like <laughs> cool. That's back when Kim had one song she sang. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was always tough. It was like, oh, I can't wait for her to sing again. And then like it never happened. <laughs> it was like she needs another. We were still working on another it. song. <laughs> well, no, but it used to always be funny to see people's faces. Like, all right, when's she gonna sing it again? That was really good. And it was like, now I'm still. Like, I was gonna leave him one more stuff. <laughs> what do you say? You got to leave him one more. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I had seen your name forever, and we got there. And I was like, okay, cool. But I mean, that was still Rebecca was playing the U bass. You had mm-hmm. banjos and shit on stage. Mm-hmm. Like it was y'all were getting crazy, and then it was like. I remember y'all needed the truck to get all your equipment to the right. stage mm-hmm. and back to yeah. your car. That's so it was a lot of yeah. a lot of instruments. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why you thought bands. that playing the guitar would be better than the piano. You carry right. like sixteen guitars. You kind of do so. what you know, even <laughs> you know John if you're trying not to. That piano muscle built up. He's like, I can carry twelve Pretty much. guitars. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll carry a, I'll carry a banjo to any gig. Like we stopped that ridiculousness. <laughs> but we kept getting called bluegrass, and it's yeah. like, y'all, this is not bluegrass. But it's yeah. our fault for having a banjo. You know, That's we did exactly that to right. ourselves. I just remember it never stayed in tune. No, no, no. it always like, let's see no. if this will stay in tune. Like, nope. <laughs> it was like, oh wow. And then it was like, didn't see y'all for a little bit. You know, not as far as performing wise. Like we see y'all socially, and then it was all of a sudden like Rebecca had an electric bass, and then you started doing the full. You were still just using the board then, and all yeah. of a sudden it was just like John's metal guitar influence came out. <laughs> it was like, oh wow. Well, we got tired of like. And this is around the same time that T-Bone Tom said, get bent. We got tired of like being pushed in a corner and be like, oh, they're they're cute and acoustic and they're not too loud. And that's what they do. And I think that it just like the creative voice inside was just getting literally smashed down. And so we just kind of said, forget it, man. We're just going to, I'm going to plug into an amp. I'm going to start doing things. I don't care. She got an electric bass and her learning the bass too, which is a good part of the story. She learned bass along the way because she had to. Like she didn't start this deal playing an instrument. And realizing we're trying to like hold a bigger sound and like, well, there's a great way to do that is to play an instrument. So she has learned literally while playing in front of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that period of time trying to figure out how to sing and play at the same time in those early days. Was, yeah. Like I was convinced it wasn't possible. Yeah. Like we're going to have to get a bass oh, player. Oh, bass vocals is way <laughs> harder. Way harder. To get to yes. Yeah. I agree hundred percent with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, the best part is like when you're learning an instrument and singing and then someone's like, Oh yeah, by the way, we're going to play a show. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're like, Oh, Okay, Great. I'll do that. You know, that's that's the best way to get it figured out. I guess mm-hmm. it's trial no, the, by fire. The panic yeah. really motivates yeah. you to get it together. Right. Yeah, I think that helps because, like, when you're playing in practice, like, okay, we can stop. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Yeah. Let's start over in live. It's like, well, eh, gotta find it back. <laughs> you know, it's always great. When you're like a fret down. All of a sudden, it's like, doo, 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 nur, nur, nur. and you're like, oh, 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 there, we're back to the mm-hmm. right route yeah, now. Right. <laughs> it's like, we just went off road for a minute. It's fine. Yeah, right. Sorry. Oh, just repeat exploring. it four bars later, and it's like, it's fine. And you meant to do it. <laughs> kind of like when you're typing and your finger gets off, and you have that whole second half of the word is all these wrong letters. It's like that. Like once you one finger's off, it's like, and I'm off until now. We're back, <laughs> and then people come up afterwards like dude that was great and you're like inside you're like no it wasn't no it was I terrible do it again. didn't you hear like, it shows how little of the stuff we hear that people hear oh gosh and they're like dude that was great it really added to it and you're like yeah <laughs> that yeah. polytonal bass you, run that was nice i have to give you kudos i can't believe you learned to play and sing at the same time that's 
I was something yeah. that still eludes me. It's there are some rhythms that I just cannot do and sing. Like I cannot. There's some part of my brain and the hand they do not connect. It doesn't work. Like that shuffle bass. Or they're line. connected too well. I don't know. But it yeah. doesn't. I can't do it. It cannot be done. It's impossible. But it was the same way, Kim. You <laughs> talked about like how you sung like one song and then like no more happened. Yeah. Um, it was the same way. We we started like yeah. there was one bass song. Okay. And then later on, they're like two bass songs and so it built that same way. It was a Reverend Peyton song. Yeah. It was uh, That's right. them old days. Them old days. That was yeah. the first song I learned yeah. any any bass on. That was at a all. gateway song. So I'd pull the U bass out for one song. And That's it Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. Yes. That's right. Please check them nice. out. <laughs> Good people there. I'm not crazy. You, you played ukulele, though, at some points, too. Like, I kind of picked that up along the way. Yeah. yeah I, remember, yeah. I remember that. That may have been from the EQ Heights deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Because I would write on ukulele. That's that's primarily what I would compose on. And huh. uh, then who else do we know that does that? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I do it. It's like we it's like <laughs> we this connection. I don't know. Yeah, we talked about it. But I like huh. hearing the story about you know you guys and you know you John came into practice and you were like, hey, what's up? Because mm-hmm. that was kind of what happened with us and y'all. Because we went out, we saw y'all play and did that, and y'all were nice. I think y'all took some cell phone pictures of us, and then we hung out afterwards for a few minutes. And Kim was like, they have to be our new best friend. It's like we're <laughs> going to stalk them until they are our friends. <laughs> they don't know it yet. <laughs> right. They don't Here know. we are six years later. Yeah, I'm damn right. glad y'all did. Too. I'm glad you did because I'm we so were... introverted. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to go hide under the, the stage. Kim's the four because otherwise there's I'm been the like, stalker. Like, that was cool. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Looking down at the ground at your I shoes. Just, yeah, right. We just been at a bunch of y'all shows but never actually talked to you if it didn't just right. me. Like, yeah, these guys are always in our shoes. People they never talk to us. Right. And then somewhere along the line, the, the switch flips. And it's like, that guy, remember when he used to be quiet? Now Sam never shuts up. <laughs> he talks so much he had to have a podcast. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I have a question for John because oh, right. now we're talking about vocals. You Have you always sang? In um, your bands? Oh, yeah. I sang in um, well, I sang in choir for years coming up. And then in the band that I was in in high school, I sang, I would strictly call it backup vocals. Like okay. back. And then other bands, I was in various bands for years, mostly playing lead guitar, playing bass. Mm-hmm. And I would only sing if it was like strictly called for or if I'd had enough to drink. But not, not nearly what we do now. Mm-hmm. And when we started out, it was like, all right. We're going to be a band called Westbound. We're going to play jazz in the corner of a little coffee shop. We're going to make money. And I will play acoustic guitar and say no words. And she will sing. And it'll be great. Mm-hmm. So that was the original design of the band. Yeah, you, you didn't do any of the harmony no, at no all. No harmony. I think our first record, you put a harmony track on one song. Yeah. And, and I, I buried it in the mix. Mm-hmm. And so that came about really, I don't know, a couple of years in. Yeah. Whereas we're trying to like build this, we're trying to like push it and have a bigger sound without having more people in the band. And and that's just like, all right, let's do it. But yeah, harmony vocals, that was, you know, if, I've always heard like if you're a good bass player, you're probably a good harmony vocalist, even if you don't sing yet. Um, because it's kind of the same part of your brain mm-hmm. that figures out how to interconnect lines together to support the melody and all that stuff. Same way you do it in a bass line, same way you do it in a harmony line. Mm. Um, and I love harmony singing. Like I just, I love it so much. I can tell. It's. I mean, you don't do that many leads, but I can tell that you enjoy singing together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm not a good lead singer. Person. I would not say that, but I, I, I would say that you. Yeah, I would say that you. I remember playing Revolution Bar with you guys, and Miss Rebecca was having a throat night. Oh, and she was off. Yeah. yeah. And you took you took the reins like a like a big boy. That's right. And I I just use my metal voice a lot. You did. And it's dude, like, you brought it. Work. People love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they watch him with all these these antics and. 
I'm like, what's he going to do? Right. What's going right. to happen? And it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Two tricks. Use your metal voice and turn the volume knob on your amp up a lot. And oh, like, yeah. It's totally. fine. Like, <laughs> you got a good singer, make a fool of yourself. People will be like, yeah, that's what I always do. He's endearing. That's what it's endearing. Right. 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 <laughs> Look at that big dude. He pops around stage and does this. I don't even notice how terrible a vocalist I am next to Kim until Kim <laughs> sings. And they're like, ooh. Whatever. Or when Kim stops singing harmonies, they're like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh that's what he sounds like. Ooh. That's one thing, you know, I'm always amazed with is like, y'all practice a lot, huh? Yeah. Yeah. At least once a week. Because y'all obvious. sing together and it's like, it's like, man, like I couldn't imagine having to sing that tight. It had become a thing when we first started doing harmony stuff. Like it had become a thing. And some of our writing, um, which we're actually getting some of these old songs out, we're doing some special shows like acoustic shows next year. Um, we're getting some of these songs out. And we realized we wrote the thing where we're interchanging who's actually doing melody um, and who's doing harmony. So it'll change over Ooh. the course of the song. So we were really into that style of melodic composition at that time. And that it's in order to do that, you have to be exactly with each other the whole yeah. song. Yeah, I think the only band, of course, again, it was Mary Couples, Glossary is the only band I can think of that had that same tight, yeah, like male female harmony vocal, like every, almost every line is yeah. just like, mm-hmm. but it stands out, man. It yeah. does. In fact, yeah. it made me want to re- made me realize that I needed to sing more with mm-hmm, Sam, mm-hmm. and that it was it was okay if I sang everything with yeah. Sam because you yeah. guys do a lot of that where you you sing the entire song together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how that sounds. I think we only have a couple now that you, I just step back and you do the entire vocal on, like mm-hmm. some of the bluesy cigar box stuff. Yeah, that's the only yeah. time I remember that yeah. John's really out on his own is right. the cigar box. It doesn't really fit. The harmony doesn't really fit that no. style. It's kind of weird. No. So. It would be weird, like dual harmony blues <laughs> song. Right. I'm feeling low down. Here's a perfect major third harmony. That's right. <laughs> that's real pretty, y'all. <laughs> real nice. I'll admit to not being completely up to date on the. Westbound Grifters and Chills discography, but I know there are many, many albums, like five, six. Let me think. I know two for Westbound. Yeah, and then we've done, geez, I'm losing count. Three, four. Four for Grifters. Yeah. Fifth one's in the works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's yeah. growing. <laughs> and three of them, three of the Grifters albums were, they were like two albums. It was part of like our intentional transformation from like, we are not your, you know, your grandma's folk band who's being quiet in the corner. We did a folk album, all like traditional folk songs. And then I think there were a bunch of songs on there. I think like 15. 15 songs. Yeah. We did that. Then we did a blues album to say like, here's these other places where we studied. And it's almost all electric. Um, so we did those like one year we did one. The next year we did the next one. And the next year we released Pretty Little Secrets. So those three went very intentionally year to year to year mm-hmm. just to like, here's the shift. And of course, Pretty Little Secrets is fully electric. It's kind of the album that and killer. killed Killer, by the way. Oh, man. And then it, it kind of got it kind of got crushed by the COVID Damn wave. Pandemic. Yeah, like right oh, when it came out, you know. So if anyone listening, you need to listen to that record. It's a little album that could. That's my favorite record that we've ever recorded. <laughs> it is on all your major streaming networks. Yes, <laughs> right. All right. over the, the internet. They, you can buy it on vinyl. CD. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We recommend it. Yeah. Because that was, of course, also for us, it was better because it's like, that's when we were playing together a lot. So it's like, these mm-hmm. are all the yeah. songs that we we know from playing together. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and y'all were our trusted ears too. We could send you a mix or a bunch of mixes and y'all would take a listen and be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Do that. Because like, it was nice. Well, I was like, I said, the final mix was tough because you sent it and it was just like, we started freaking out. It's like, we don't have anything. To, like, they won't believe have no that feedback. we listened to it. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a little more. Well, I think maybe that's what happens when a sound engineer records an album, though. You know, you, you kind of get through all that on your own. <laughs> yeah. 
that is a eventually good, that is a good part yeah. yeah you bring that up that we can go into is that not only do they play out write all their own songs you know mostly they do do covers but they're with their tasteful nice covers <laughs> they make it their own but y'all also do all your own production and recording mm-hmm. yeah yeah We've, for, for better or worse. Yeah, I think we've we've only worked with a producer on one record and it's just there's so much more freedom I think in having it in your own home and for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, there's definitely a little less pressure on the timeline, but then there's also less pressure on the timeline, so right. you can right. you can really get kind of lost in it, but it's it's just I don't know. It's I feel like we we have our best expression by being able to be so close to it. Yeah, and the DIY thing is like we've been the DIY just that whole like way of thinking, the whole ethic is like super important to us. Like it's I mow my own lawn. Like that's we put up our own Christmas like we do like everything ourselves to almost to a fault. And we're like dude, you should ask for help. You're lying on the ground in a in a gutter. Like get some help or whatever the case is. But like in the in the recording sense, like I went to school to be an audio person. I love it. I, I've always been close to it. I've had a day job for 20 something years doing audio. So it's, it's wonderful to keep doing it. And I, I, I guess it affords you like, well, you don't have to pay for, you know, engineering and producing and all that. So you save a ton of money so you can release more albums. Yeah. Um, but you definitely do pay in time. It's, it is when it's album recording time, it's like though that's your, your time away from your day job. And when you're not gigging, like that's what you're doing. There's really, there's really nothing else you do for a little it's while. It's all encompassing. Yeah. When mm-hmm. you're recording an album. Yeah. So when you went to school, to audio engineering school, was that something because you were in bands and you wanted to do it? Or was it something where it's like, oh, this would be interesting? Yeah, no, I was in like, it was a, I, I, first of all, I didn't believe that it existed. Like I thought, because I was in a band in high school and I, I recorded our little high school demo on a four track cassette player and where we were like bouncing the drums down three to one, three to one, three to one until it just sounded horrible, but they were all on there. And we like did a glass mastering process to get a CD back way back in those days. Yes. Um, old school oh yeah and we like we figured all that stuff out and, and we we did an album you know when we were 18 years old but then of course i was i was encouraged i'll say to go to the engineering school to college um and that did not go well at all um so out from the engineering school i went in a truck with no money and was just on my own and a friend up in lubbock called me and said hey they do audio school i was like don't lie there's no school for audio you just go run audio that's you just people do it and you, there's no money in it he's like no go look and so i went and looked and lo and behold there's a school where you can learn audio so i went there and level and and just loved it like i'd i would be in the morning i'd be waiting for the janitorial staff to show up to unlock the door and in the night they would come get me out of the studio and saying it's nine o'clock you need to go home (laughs) you've been in this building for 14 hours every single day like it was i mean passion beyond passion for it like it is like i like that even when i get to recording stuff now it's just it's once i start I'm always scared. Like, I put off starting because once I start, Kim can tell you. It's like, okay, I'm not going to see him for days. Yeah. There's a little bit of a involvement that you have that you can't, you can't stop. (laughs) It's just fun because you're like, we'll change this. We'll alter this. Wouldn't this sound cool? Yeah. And then you go through and you're like, oh, yeah, it did, but it doesn't sound what we want. Right. But it's, I mean, it is absolutely like, and so Rebecca doesn't have like the audio background mm-hmm. and that that's why it works because she can come in kind of like more as a producer and look at it with perspective and say like, dude, that idea you're trying is terrible. And I was like, 
I just work four hours on that. But <laughs> she has the perspective and I don't. So we delete it and try something else. No, it's, it's this very cool technical thing that I know was hard and was a lot of work. And But it doesn't necessarily serve the song. So I have to make the decision like, who am I going to tell him? Or <laughs> did we let it go? <laughs> and that's always our agreement in the studio. Like I'm, I am, I'm free. Like just when you and I were working together, I just threw some ideas at you that I'm sure you listened to. And you're like, wow, I can't delete that soon enough. But that was like the whole idea. Like oh, it's yeah. just free to express and like, you know. And the other side of that is, you know, granted, I did not go to audio school, but I've done plenty of sound at like venues and things like that and health the same. So I think it helps a lot. Like we're on tour. There's really not much we can get thrown at us between the three of us. That's not like, oh, yeah, we can run this. Oh, oh man. We some of those this. PAs. On the right? like, <laughs> we, can, we can make this work, dude. We got this. I'm so glad we're in a band with you. Here's a trick that we can do to kind of make this work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I just look at the board and go, huh? Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. at least yeah. you all know what you're doing. Been to places where I basically have rewired, like, you know, I used to professionally do like audio systems and stuff. So it's like, I can let me f- leave me alone for about 20 minutes. And it's like, you have this all run wrong. Like, hey. Thanks. Now, can I have my free <laughs> cup of coffee you are paying us with <laughs> to play here? All right. So, good thing to get to. Y'all have a new album coming out. Well, it's coming out next year, and it's going to be starting to be recorded (laughs) within about a little over a month. Yes. At at some point next year, it will come out. No. Hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> so what's the plan? I mean, you know, I'm, y'all are, there's one thing about y'all that's kind of annoying because I'm normally like, all right, can we get to 10? Can we make it a full 10 record? <laughs> and y'all are like, this one has like 18 songs. <laughs> Behold, there's all of our like, two albums worth of songs. They use both sides of the CD. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Split that over. There's a lot more space. Oh, man. I think how many songs are I it? think it's 15. I, I hate you guys. 13 or 15. I can't, yeah, I can't remember I can't which remember. one. Again, that that follows that. Yes, it's it's good to have that bit of animosity towards the people you love. As well. It is. Well, Indeed. they challenge you. You know, one they of can them, do fifteen. Maybe I can do fifteen next time. Right. <laughs> maybe I one can write them, as many words as Rebecca does. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to say them real fast. <laughs> one of the songs we might put a cover on it. Oh, cool. um, a Towns Van Zant song. Just because of the the continued involvement that we all have with the old quarter. Yeah. Um, it just kind of feels appropriate. But it's a maybe right now. I don't know. But yeah, the idea is we've, we've kind of already started. We started in July and then got, got really badly sidetracked in August. But the idea is to hit it pretty hard January, get it out by late spring, early summer. It won't take too long. Uh, we have a, a better concept of what this album's going to be from the get-go. And yeah, that's the idea. The the challenge is to figure out how to release an album in a basically an all-streaming limited physical thing world. It's just Yeah, yeah, it is strange right now cuz like us both we did our last records on vinyl and it's like due to people like, you know, you got Taylor Swift releasing 35 LP versions of her new album. And it's like, well cool, there went all that's 35 bands that aren't going to be able to yeah. press records mm-hmm. from all these independent pressing plants and things like that, you know, all these major labels. Now it's like, cool, I can't wait a year and a half to release a record when I finish it. Yeah. Because what? the major labels don't have their own pressing facilities anymore. No, they no, use the no. same thing. Same people. Right. Why would they have that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this what? one was funny going to pick up our records in Austin. It was like you walk in the warehouse and it's like, oh, like these are our records getting pressed right next to insert major label bands and all this. And it's like, cool. At the same time, it's like, oh, cool, man. They got done the same place as this, but the same place. Is like, that's why it took 
This is eight months to get these in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're thinking it might be a, like a, you do a streaming release and I guess you still have to run some CDs and then start the vinyl process. And whenever that's done, like that'll be a, like, okay, now it's on vinyl and it's a thing, you know, maybe you hit it twice. And- yeah. yeah. It's kind of like what we did. Cause remember we, we kind of really, but it we wasn't had to wait. on purpose. Yeah, no, it was definitely wait. not on purpose. We definitely had to wait. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think what the issue is now is like, what is the, for independent artists who are releasing their own music, you know through streaming services that are more or less single based you know you can't it's hard to release an entire album to the same kind of reception that they used to have people want little bites of things Mm -hmm. instead of an entire album and i think definitely not the attention span for it i think Mm -hmm. it kind of that's a good yeah yeah it's very much i check this song out it plays for five seconds all right next song to check out like (laughs) right but it's it's like no one told tyler childers that because he put out three albums (laughs) you know and it's like hey bud and it's and it those are amazing, by the way. Get those if you can, because it's worth your time. Yeah. But it, it's just so weird. Yeah, we've totally changed the format. It used to be about an album, the way it feels. And writing a whole album almost feels futile. Like, we're just doing it out of our own narcissistic need to yeah. put it out there. And it's like, yeah, most people are going to listen to track six. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Right. Right. Well, I think for me, it, it's the hard part about doing, even with the EPs, you start obsessing too much over, like, these few songs and start doing stuff you would never do otherwise. Mm. Just like, well, we only got these three songs. You're right. So it's like, go all in. I can spend, instead of spending three months on 10 or 11, I could spend three months on three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? What if we did this? But I do, do think that it's a generational thing. I think it's the, the younger people are into more just like little singles. And because I, I was talking to somebody the other night who just released an album. And I said, you know, I really, I really enjoy the track order. Like, I think it's a really good album from start to finish and he was like thank you like i worked really hard on that like, mm-hmm. nobody ever says that mm-hmm. anymore i think that's true like people just don't i look for an album but i am almost 50 you know i'm not yeah. the young streaming public well i, I, I think right. part of that shift is if you look at a lot of these young artists like we the one we work with nolan like when he comes in place he has new new tracks every time he comes and performs yeah. at open mic yeah and that's pretty that's pretty impressive and he's constantly putting music out so i think their whole idea is that well music should be almost instantaneous like you should yeah. be able, mm-hmm. and like yes and no like i still have to do my day job yeah right. yeah you know, i'd love to live in a studio and work 24 hours a day and, yeah. and do it that way but it's just not feasible i was looking at that band um cleopatric who we saw a while back they're really good i was looking at their their spotify their discography and they have like 80 albums or whatever one song that's it release oh. one song done one song done yeah. they don't do albums huh. like it's a totally different way to even think about it Kind of well, blew my mind. Wasn't it Radiohead? Like, probably almost 10 years ago, started just putting out EPs for a while. Yeah. Like, they just, like, we're not putting out full albums. And they, and it was like they saw the curve coming. And, yeah. we, and we're like, huh, maybe they were onto something. Those yeah. rascally right. rights. <laughs> I still want to make music for people like us who yeah. like an album, too, well, you like know? The, like Samantha Crane would do. She released every six months. I think she started out with, like, a three two-song EP. And they would write, like, two more songs. Then release, like, a four-song EP. Like, an actual separate release on spot that was the first two songs with the two new ones mm-hmm. and then eventually it was like the fourth release ended up being like a 10 song record yeah and then she had that press but it was like yeah. it filled up yeah eight months worth of time you'll get these songs here these songs here these songs here <laughs> yeah and then, yeah you know there'll be six songs you'll have then you'll get a 10 song album that's like here's the four new but they're on this album yeah. and you can get all of them and yeah you know, what do you do? It's just throwing darts. I think it's always been that way. It's really, you look back, like 
it used to be just a singles game. Everyone just released singles. Mm-hmm. And then about the 60s was where it was like, dude, we're going to start doing full. And it was mostly rock band. Like, we're going to start doing yeah. full albums, concepts. Long yes. play. Long <laughs> right. themes. Right. Before that, everyone yeah. was just like, we did it. We wrote this song. Get right. it put on a 45. <laughs> That's right. true. Pump some cover out to put on the B side, and we'll yep. get that out to everybody. Go pay your payola, and then you're it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm famous. And then you guys mad when the quick cover you threw on the B side is the one that blew up. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you, so you guys already have a concept for this new. Album. Um, yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the the working title of the album is Fireball, and then like the art concept is still very much. That's Rebecca another does thing. All that whole thing. Because like, I always I always do our album art. Well, on most of them, and it's kind of a big question mark now. What What do you even do for that? Do you even put any time into it? Because it's going to be you know a thumbnail on a screen. So that's true. You know, yeah. it's kind of. But that I don't know. To me, that's the whole package. Like the the track order. It's the mm-hmm. whole package of it, this whole expression that you're putting out. So it still matters to me. I'm still going to spend time on it. You know? Well, and that's, I think that's driving at something you said, Kim, about like, like how do you do it? You still like albums that are done a certain way because that's just what you like. It kind of drives the question to me, like, why, why, why do any of this? And the beauty of it is why do it is because we're passionate about it because we absolutely love it. And so we're going to do it in the way that works for us. Mm-hmm. And the way that works for us is like, it's like you working on the art and even if it is, you know, a 10 by 10 pixel square, um, like there's good art down in that square. Yeah, but sometimes I think online that stuff, people will see it. We're fortunate that we have our, I guess, our own artistic director in Dan. <laughs> you should check out Dan Torres' art. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> Daniel's pretty great. But, you know, he's always wants like, can I do this? Can I do this? Even when I put out the logo for this one, he's like, can I clean this up? Which I still haven't got. So if I don't have it by January, where's that, Dan? <laughs> still my bad art. All right, now that we've covered the album and all that, uh, you know, we did spend some time this summer out on the road together. I don't know about y'all, but I got to actually see like a couple of my new current favorite bands just by being out on the road together yep. this summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. It was pretty wild. Such an amazing trip. And yeah, that's something worth bringing up is you want to hear about being your buddies and stuff. Like John and Rebecca actually had a slot on Pondstock up in Nebraska and we were on tour together. And rather than just have us sit there and clap and they were like, hey man, that's a few months away. Why don't we start practicing and we can do a part of the set. We can do like a set together. There's not many people who would go like, hey man, we're going to give up part of our festival slot to do like a dual Griftwire band and make <laughs> oh, this <man>. work. <laughs> it was the only... It was the only way we were going to play that show because, I mean, we just, just because. But then in my mind, I was like, man, I think this would be really cool. Like, and it's funny, like some of that, like has come back when we come back from tour, has come back into our local shows. You know, we're playing a, playing a venue and like, there's Kim, like get her up here to sing with us. And so this, (laughs) this happens regularly. And of course we constantly call you and like, can you please come stomp around and make everybody happy on our last one song? song. Happy bear, (laughs) happy bear stomp. That's right. Stick around for the whole thing, but one song. It's but yeah, it, it it's funny that it developed that way. It was that was never the intent. It was the intent was like to figure out how to share those two slots, Pondstock and Choice City Stomp. Well, see, we did the Pondstock, then the Choice City Stomp was booked as legit. Like this is what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it wasn't. <laughs> it was just like you know, hey, we can do. We're just going to play this set, and it was like okay. Yep. That actually is where it got scary. It was like, okay, this isn't just be a one-time thing. Like, we got to actually do this in multiple places. Yep, yep. And make it work. And we well, practiced knew, for months. It was great. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was I knew great. that the scene, like the people that up at Pondstock and and Choice City and and that whole scene, like I, I knew those people. And I was like, I know that they're gonna love what y'all do. Like they don't they don't know your songs right now, but they will. You know. 
You never know where your next favorite song's going to come from. That's very true. Would you they're... say, like, you didn't always know that song, now you love it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was just a trip on that whole thing, you know, to go about where you don't know where your next favorite song comes from, because they're at Pondstock where it's like, we're going to die. I'm so tired. <laughs> so it was hot. so hot. And it was like, I'll watch one song from the Hoot and Hollers, then right. all of a sudden it's like 30 minutes later, it's like, okay, now we... <laughs> like my legs are literally buckling but it was like there was no chance like dude we gotta watch this for a while like this is amazing well that same thing and this is even comical now looking back it's comical to even say at choice city we got there early before the event even started like two something and you know last band's going on around 11 something and last band is like i'd heard their name before but like i'd never seen them and i was like like all right i'm gonna do what i can i am having trouble staying vertical but like i i want to see i want to see at least some of this last band those festivals it, are killer oh uh, it's comical oh. looking back to think that i wouldn't have thought that i'm not going anywhere for this last band and we didn't we stayed the entire time i'll we just stay we, no, for two slim Cessna songs it was like yeah we're gonna stay for just a couple of slim Cessna auto club songs you know i know a couple of them i've heard on mixes yeah. or whatever but i'm you know they're cool but i'm not gonna i'm exhausted like we've been staying up too long. We got to drive from Fort Collins to Amarillo. To Amarillo, next morning. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was great. Like I think it was by the end of the second song, we're all at different points in the room, but we all kind of made eye contact at the same time with each other, and it was just like, we're not, we're, yeah, we're yeah, we're here. Yeah. And like the collective <laughs> question, like. What is actually going on? Is amazing. <laughs> I can't right. look away. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I was. I'm still. You know, it's going to turn to the end of the podcast. will be the Slim Sessa Auto Club gush. Right. <laughs> I still just can't imagine that band practices. Right. Like, they get together, yeah. like, you know, in, like, cargo shorts and T-shirts <laughs> and set up in a room and just, all right, dude, what do you think about this bridge? And it's like, no, like, that just, those shows just magically happen right. exactly mm-hmm. that way. Like, Well, my favorite part of the whole thing was that, you know, because we played two bands before Slim Sessa's Auto Club and the lead singer... For Slim Cessna for the band came over after we were done and put his hand on Sam's shoulder and 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 kind of did a laying on of hands like nodded his head and and said um, without saying words was like that is good and Sam didn't know who it was so Sam was just like oh thanks man and then he was nice come to find out later like <laughs> it's the dude in Slim Cessna's oh my God. <laughs> and then. Poor Slim Sesta himself, and he had to be tortured later. He's like, well, he came up and touched my shoulder earlier. Now I have to go so talk to him. So I can run over there and just bear hug the poor guy before the, the encore, you know, right. side bear hug, not yeah. pull out. And he's like, dude. And I think I like sobered up by that point. So I wish I could say like I drank like a lot and it was ridiculous. So I was just like, thank you. Yeah. Like I didn't even know, yeah. you know, you're my favorite man until right now. <laughs> thank you. Like I'd heard it and I just didn't know. I didn't, I was dumb. I didn't know. <laughs> And that has been probably like my favorite thing about being in a band and getting to write and get on stage is being out where other bands are and just being amazed mm-hmm. all yeah. the time, you know, all the time. Yeah. And then do that. like those wow. people that maybe you've, you've heard them on Spotify or you'd seen some DVD or whatever mm-hmm. and they are, they're so far removed. And then suddenly they become people you hang out with and they're, they're friends. They're, they're basically that chosen family. And it's all just because you share this amazing art together and this desire to create it and put yourself out there and like experience that together. And it's, it blows my mind all the time, the people that we've met and played with and that I consider friends now. It's unreal. And the generosity of those people in even in non-musical situations, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just... The people I have met through music have been some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. I totally agree. The the phrase competition kills it, cooperation wins it is one I learned in music circles. 
mm-hmm. and learned it way back. And I keep seeing it over and over and over again. It was like this. I like this way of living. I like these people. I mm-hmm. like everything just like matches up and like, this is great. You know, it's all, it's all exactly how I like it. It really is. Most times we play places, it's because somebody put in a good word. Yeah. Somebody did that. Someone allowed us to come in. Someone booked a show and let you come through their hometown to share a bill. Same thing. We play a ton of shows with people who it's like, yeah, we'll help you out any way we can. Even if we can't play on the show, it's like, hey, you need a place to do laundry or take a shower or stay the night. We got you. You know, there's been so many people, bands that we've happened to see that were amazing. And then, you know. People you didn't even know, like, you know, the, and we've had people crash on our floor from, I mean, kind of like Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. Like, I didn't know who they were. And I went to that show and it was just like, oh, like, <laughs> dude, you're about to come to my house. Right. <laughs> like, oh my God. And y'all yeah. are like, up here. Well, like, I'm like, I need to hide everything we've ever recorded because I don't want you to hear any of it. Be embarrassed. Takes all the guitars off the wall. <laughs> right. Uh, we, are, but we are not musician folk. At, oh, please don't pay attention. And, you know, but other people, it's not even the whole like star thing. It's just like, man, like, y'all are amazing. Like, there's so many bands that unfortunately, you know, just people just don't know about that are just yeah. blow your mind. Like mm-hmm. there's so yeah. many amazing people I've seen in a room of four people that, you know, are just friends of ours that came through town. And you're just like, I can't believe that dude just yeah. came through. And cause you know, as songwriters, y'all know what's in it. Y'all know yeah. it's the hours and hours and hours of crafting when no one's watching. That's, that's the work. Like that's the, it takes a long time. All right. By the time this comes out, it'll be over, but we will have had an amazing show at Ronnie's Hall of Heaven with Whiskey Dick, who we met while we were out. We actually played two shows with this, this summer. summer mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are really nice people. Just nice. Good cool dudes. dudes. Like, you know, it's again, it's like how often you see like headliner bands that are there when the first band starts. And every time you look over, every band starts to like either, if it's too hot, they're sitting like behind the stage in the shade. They're not far away. Like, they're mm-hmm. like, we're here to watch everybody. And it was, yeah. same time, it's kind of like, okay, dude, they're watching us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, same time, it's like, but then it reaches a point where you're just like, dude, like, like this is what I want to be. Like, this is like what I aspire to. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, I'm trying to be that way. Like, I want to watch everybody. I want to participate. I'm here to, and I think that's what's good about a lot of these independent music festivals like Pond Stock, like Choice City Stomp, even like we're going to Holiday Hangout in Arkansas next week. The bands are just as much part of the audience. It's like the only time that they're not part of the audience is like, oh, dude, we got to do our 40 minute set. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they get off, they're back like, okay, who's up next? Yep. Can't yeah. wait to see who's up next. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And you know, that's really cool. And I think that's, have that support in a community and i think that's part of why we all do it and i think you lose that at a certain level so i think it's good like it's nice being in the minors where everybody's like community first and everybody's just kind of pulling for everybody and just you know creating these moments with people somebody asked me last week if i wanted to be famous and i was like no there's no no control in that there's no oh no I mean, I can create, but somebody's going to ruin it. <laughs> You're beholden yeah. to somebody or something yeah. at, at that point. And I think yeah. you do. That's when you start getting sequestered into green rooms and you, you lose mm-hmm. that connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just want to be famous enough to be like, hey, St. Louis, we want to come play. And everyone's like, yeah, dude, we'd love to have you at our bar. That's it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's that level of fame I aspire yeah. to. We exactly. want you to come play our bar. And, you know, if it gets 50% full, we're happy. It's like, sweet. We can pull like 50 people in every town. That's it. That's basically that's, that's the dream. Yeah. That is my goal. Absolutely. Like I knew if we could pull fifty to seventy-five people in every city we play, yeah. dude, we're rock stars. You're there, man. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Speaking of rock stars, we'd like to thank John and Rebecca for coming by to talk to us. Man, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. On. us. Check back next time. Speaking of the whole old quarter thing earlier, I believe our next guest is going to be Mr. Joel Mora of yes. various Houston punk rock bands and is also the owner and operator of the old quarter. So uh, y'all be good out there and we'll see you soon. 
Bye. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Music in the Minor League. If you like what you heard, please share the podcast with a friend, either verbally or online. That's the best way for us to reach new listeners. If you enjoy Grifters and Shills and want to know more about them, follow them everywhere you can online and on your streaming service of choice. They're playing all over the place, and they'd love to see you in the audience. Now we're going to leave you with a song from their latest album, Pretty Little Secrets. You may recognize as the full version of today's bumper music. The song is called 255, and as legend has it, got them kicked out of t-bone toms for life we hope you enjoy it we look forward to seeing you next time see ya This is one last night It's a long summer day and a hot summer night I shout to the Friday night, fuck or fight Got nowhere to go, no one to see A whole little private penitentiary Got ourselves thinking about that old highway Gotta get away, gotta get away, gotta get away Cause your ass is mine